Welcome to Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers. I am Sam Betterman with Jonathan Liskin, my co-host as always. And this is the first episode of the 2023-2024 season previews. We're going to talk about the Florida Atlantic Owls with Kevin Fielder down there. Right here. Yeah. Right, right there, here. Kevin. Point to yourself. Jonathan? Red. Blue. F-A-U. Again, I, I, have, I have no idea if that's a real chance or not. I don't think that is. I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't think I it think was that either, is. But I have a friend who said it once and it kind of just caught on. So It's not a real chant, but it's funny. Hey, it, sound, it sounds good, so I'll continue to chant By the it. way, I one time looked that up to see if it was a real chant. Nothing came up. I have been to enough FAU basketball games over the last, like, four years to confirm that it has never been a chant. I've been to three FAU basketball games. I've never heard that chant. Okay, you went to March Madness games. Those don't count. I went to more Florida Atlantic basketball games than 99.9% of the American population. They all missed out. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, anyway. What is the number one question in your head about FAU basketball this year? What are the voices saying? The, the voices are saying, man, last season was really fun. Can they somehow do that again? Because you don't just, like, make the final four by chance. Like, I never really believed this whole idea that, like, you just got to get lucky a whole bunch of times and you make the final four. But also, FAU kind of just got lucky a bunch of times last year, didn't they? And- yeah. Um, like, the whole theory that we have is that when you hit your 100th percentile, you're not hitting it again. Then it wouldn't be the 100th percentile. It would be the 99th percentile. And and I don't know if that last season was. Like, is, is there a chance they win the national championship? I think that there's certainly a better chance than 90% of the teams in the country right now. Maybe 95% of the teams in the country. But also, they made the Final Four last year as a nine seed. And this was their first season in the NCAA tournament in 20 years. And... It's probably before Sam was alive. Like, I think that, like, there is so much that could... Uh, yeah, sorry. I, someone had to get a shot right now, and it was you. <laughs> but, like, there is just so much that went right last season that, like, I'm not sure it all goes right again. Yeah. I mean, the thought process for me is that it took them going... What was the regular season record? 31-3? and 31-3, three? and three, I think. Yes. 31-3 mm-hmm. and three got them a nine seed. Well, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're being honest, they shouldn't have been a nine seed. They were they a far better team. But they shouldn't have been. They should have been like a five seed. But... We knew that. And I think there is like a part of them that like they're playing in a better conference this year. So the quality of competition is going to be better if that somehow happens again. But Kevin, I want to ask you if they do regress, which it seems almost imminent that it, they do a little bit. What, what do you think that looks like? I, I don't think regression is going to hit them like a truck. And I don't think there's a situation where they're incredibly bad next year. I know that like some fan bases in the American want to believe that that's a situation that happens. But, Memphis. Yeah, no, really, I didn't want to call them out, but it's all Memphis fans who think that. We're going yeah. to get Will on the Memphis preview. That will be fun. I, I just don't hope know it when that'll be a therapy session. But we don't know when that will be, but we should get both of you on the same podcast please, at once. Please, please, I, I will happily do that. Explode. I will happily do that uh, as the I, as the voice of reason for FAU. I would happily do that because I don't get angry at Memphis fans. I get it. You guys lost on a buzzer beater. That must suck. Maybe don't lose on a buzzer beater. I don't know what to tell you. 
but like i don't think in terms of going back to the question of like what is regression i don't think regression is not making the tournament i think they're a tournament team next year and i think saying they're a tournament team is not breaking the world on fire i I think that they're going to compete in the american and they're going to make the tournament do they win another tournament game do they make the sweet 16 again like all these questions probably get figured out in due time but they have enough depth they have enough talent that for the most part they should be a tournament team next year and it would almost shock me if they're not one next year now if they're not a tournament team it probably starts in the non-conference play it's a super difficult schedule it's a really good schedule and if they lose four or five of those games and they lose four or five games in american conference play you're looking at 10 losses maybe even 11 and that's probably not making the tournament out of the american yeah, I like the the non-conference tournament is a lot harder than it was in year past. And you look at last year's non-conference tour uh, or non-conference schedule, and it was like really Florida, Ole Miss, and a whole bunch of teams they really needed to be. And Bryant was supposed to be pretty good, but they weren't. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be good, and then you realize that Doug Eggert was a one-time little cool thing. No, it wasn't even Doug Eggert. Doug Eggert was supposed to be like their seventh best player. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, South Alabama was good, and they crushed them. They 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 had like good opponents but not great opponents like south alabama was a good opponent uh eastern michigan was dangerous because imani bates is a thing well they were also one of the worst teams in college. yeah i mean uh, bryant was supposed to be good Florida... i had them in my top 100 and i don't regret that <laughs> they came to the dome and beat syracuse florida was okay like florida was okay they were a thing uh, i and... thought florida was gonna be so good <laughs> and then like old miss was old miss like I, just so many things sort of went right for FAU. And again, it goes back to like, was last season the 100% percentile where everything went right? Yes, and, it was. Name but one thing that went wrong. But I'm not sure that's the case because that team is also just really damn good. Like, Name one thing that went wrong. No, I mean, yes, nothing went wrong. In the sense okay, of the it was the 100th percentile. But like, it was, was that the 100th percentile in the sense of like, everything went right and their talent is just going to be talent? Or was that team incredibly well coached, had enough dudes that they can survive any storm, and had an offense that was like an offensive system that was unique enough where teams didn't know how to exploit it? Like Yes, the unique teams. That 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 was one of the things that Jonathan and I discussed every single march. And we've done this for two marches now, so it's not every single march, but the last two marches. We discussed large, large, large sample size of two marches, but we, we just, Hey, it's a bigger sample size than one. <laughs> yeah. Like, so FAU had this offense. Teams. I think we discounted FAU as a unique team. Oh, I, I tried to tell people not to, and they all went, I well, like, it's FAU, but whatever. I just like, didn't like the matchup that they, that they drew. I loved the matchup. I, I loved the matchup. Like it ended up being that like Penny got out coached. Cause like, every other fucking game he coaches, but if um, I speak, if I speak, but <laughs> I can't wait for them to have this preview. I really can't. I do think that there was a part of it where like a, a reasonable basketball fan watches that game and was like, okay, Memphis may have been the better, better team tonight. FAU just executed better down the stretch. And scored Memphis, more points. Memphis turned it over. Memphis was the better team until God, who was it? A little, what was, what was the guy's name? Their best player. Kendrick Davis. Yeah, and until Kendrick Davis got hurt. And when, when Kendrick Davis got hurt, their entire offense sort of sputtered. And that, I think, is more of a byproduct of, dude, when you play iso ball in college basketball, that dude better be healthier. You ain't going to be able to play iso ball all year. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. But, and he was healthy most of the year, and they were really good because he was really good. Yeah, but then he, once he, he got hurt. players in the country for the last three, four years. Once he got now, hurt, it was – And he's now going job. to go play for the Guangdong Tigers, but <> – well, I mean, yeah, he was like five foot ten, so didn't really have much of an he NBA. Still is chance. five foot ten. Let's not act like he grew. <laughs> but like, so it was a that was arguably their toughest matchup on paper in terms of like schematically and the sense of like having one good guy who they won't be able to stop. Because I looked at Fairly Dickinson and FDU was a cool story. They were also just not that good. They were like tiny. They, they were a sixteen seed for a reason, guys. Uh, I talked to Tobin this past week and like. Yeah, that team wasn't that good. Yeah, they had their tallest guy was my height. Like, they, you're not exactly going to win six, many games. Five? No, I was I'm six one. It was more of a exaggeration. And then we get to the Sweet Sixteen, and they, they get Tennessee. Who I watched that every game of that team. I like, felt incredibly comfortable with Tennessee. I was yeah. Like, I mean, I, I thought Tennessee should have should have won that game. You know why? They they should have. Because Rick Barnes is a dumbass. Yeah, I mean, and Rick Barnes kept taking Julian Phillips out of the game, but Julian Phillips is the only guy that could rotate on those threes. Yeah, it was like it was very much like FAU had the perfect game plan to beat Tennessee, and then I felt a little bit less comfortable about Kansas State, and I was like, okay, you know, is this going to be a game where Marquise Noel is just Marquise Noel, and there's no stopping Marquise Noel when Marquise Noel is Marquise Noel? But like, they found a way to sort of limit him. They did enough on offense. It was not a pretty game. It was, in fact, pretty much an ugly basketball game. But they did enough at times to win the game. And so, like, everything sort of went right for them all season. And I think that there's certainly a case where that just doesn't happen again. And they lose nine, eight games, and then we're discussing if they're a tournament team. But I think that team has enough talent coming back and enough experience and have enough to prove that that's not going to happen. I want to – real quick – Sam, real quick before you jump into something, uh, I want to ask the flip side of my question. Let's say, like, because they did have some younger players last year. Golden was a sophomore. Boyd was a sophomore. If there are players on this team that take jumps and the older guys kind of just play to their level, what do you think that looks like? I mean, we saw it last year, right? They made the Final Four. Like, I I think that the ceiling is a Final Four national championship team. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say that every day until the season begins because everyone's going to sit here. Yeah, I mean, until the season ends. Because if they start the season off hot and they win all their non-conference games, we're talking about a team that's ranked in the top five. I mean, that's just just a fact. And so, like, we're talking about one of the best teams in the country. I mean, we're talking about – I mean, look, where, where do we have this team? We both have this team in our top 25. I would have them in the top 15. Right now, I'd have them in the top 15. I have them yeah. right around the top 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're both a little bit lower on them than you are, which is mm-hmm. completely fair and it, understandable. It, it, may, it may be the homerism of, hey, man, uh, I got a tuition uh, paycheck. or I, I said tuition paycheck there every semester. So, Well, you, know, maybe... you don't do it anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. But, uh, no, like, I think that there is a lot that can go right. And I look at this team from top to bottom, and I go – Elijah Martin and John L. Davis are two of the better basketball players in the country. Mm-hmm. Then you have solid, viable players who are going to provide good output. Nick Boyd, uh, I really like Brian Greenlee, Vlad Golden. Like those are good basketball players. I'm a huge fan of Rosado off the bench. Oh, John John Clara Rosado is my favorite player in college basketball right now because he is so old fashioned and it is so cool to watch. But uh, like 
then the biggest question is like who replaces Michael Forrest because someone has to replace Michael that's Forrest. Who, that's who left. I and, was thinking about wait, who was the guy that left? And I'm like, that's who it is. Yeah, and like Michael Forrest was not great last year. And there was a lot of struggles last year in terms of like, man, he just didn't feel the right the same way. And I think that might have been role, that might have been usage. He came off the bench a lot last year and he's never come off the bench for FAU. But also he is the entire heart and soul of that basketball team. And he was the entire heart and soul of that basketball team. And they went as Mike Forrest led them. So, like, and it, he it, took over the game in the um, Sweet Sixteen against Tennessee. Yeah, when they needed him the most, they could count on him, and that's that's what you're going to have to replace. And it's very much a thing of like, man, I feel pretty comfortable with Elijah Martin and John L. Davis replacing that. But who takes his spot in the rotation because they did not go in the transfer portal? They did not go get a dude from the transfer portal, like I think a lot of people thought they would. And so they're really betting on in-house development, and they're betting on one of uh oh god what's his name i i was vanderpool the freshman no uh trey carroll and brent brennan lorian i don't know why i couldn't remember brennan lorian's name but like they're betting on one of these guys being good enough and if they're not can they shorten the rotation and go like nine men i think they can go just nine man rotation yeah i mean i think enough. they could it, but they want to go 10 they want to go 10 they want to be able to go deep and they're betting on one of those guys being good enough i bet that it'll be fine even if they go to nine. That's my thing. Now, here's my thing. The margin for error for a team, even in the American Conference, is it's so much. High. It's so thin compared to the margin for error that you let in the Big Ten or Big 12. So, if this let's, let's, let's take a look at the non-conference schedule. You start with Loyola Chicago in Chicago. They should win that, but I don't think it'll be easy. Yeah. I mean, Loyola Chicago is a top 100 team. Yeah, I mean, they're a good basketball team. FAU's better, but you have well to travel coached. through Chicago. You have to play a team that's sort of experienced, that's old, that's gritty. Like, there's a, so many things that can go wrong in a game a like big that. big Loyola crowd. It's one of their big games of the last couple of years. Like, it's just not one of those games where it's like, yeah, man, it's a win. Cool. What's the next one? <laughs> All right. The next one, though, is Eastern Michigan. And, yeah, that's a win. Okay, uh, cool. Please. What's the next one? Bryant. Okay, that's another win. Should be a win. And then it's the ESPN Events Invitational. And it's Butler. And it's Butler, which is a top 100 team. It's Texas A&M, I think? It's Butler's the first game. Okay, so Butler, I feel pretty confident in saying no win. I, and then I, it's Texas A&M slash um, Penn State. I don't feel comfortable in saying they win those games. I don't feel yeah, really I don't comfortable either. saying that. I do not either. That is a really tough matchup. Jonathan loves Texas A&M. He has them in, their, he has them in his top 15. And I think Penn State can be dangerous this year. Like, I think Penn State can just be really I mean, well yeah, I think Mike Rhodes is one of the best coaches in college basketball. And then there's Iowa State, who's the best team in that tournament if they ended up if they end up making it to the finals. That's a top 15 team in the country without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, I, I think that, like, now the biggest question is can, my, can FAU form a game plan for that one game and win? Because I'm going to say this right now. If there is if there is a one game set and I need a coach who's going to game plan the hell out of that one game, give me Dusty May and his coaching staff because I think they've proven at this point that if there's a one game game plan that needs to come out, they're going to build a game plan that's going to win them that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, and I saw it last year in the tournament multiple times. So I think it's, it's not the end of the world if you lose a game in that tournament. I think if you be. lose two, it's a problem. It, it will really depend on who those two losses are. If it's Iowa State and, like, Texas A&M and Texas A&M ends up being a really good tournament team, then well, I think that Iowa State and Texas A&M, that means 
Iowa State lost to either Boise State or Virginia Tech. Oh yeah, so it can't be both those. Uh, but if it's it like, could be, I mean, Boise I mean, it State could be. be a top fifty team. It could be, but like, if you lose two games that tournament, it better be the teams that end up banking the tournament. And yeah. because you're gonna have a really hard time saying, "Hey, man, we have a good strength of schedule." If the two teams you lost to in a uh, in a non conference tournament were two teams that didn't end up making the tournament, yeah. Then it's Liberty with no Darius McGee, but they do have Colin Porter, Joe Vinzant. They should Shiloh, win. Um, whatever. Yeah. Shiloh, what's his last name? Keller Robinson. Yeah. Is, like, is that one home or away? Do they have to go to Lynchburg? No, that's home. They should win. They should win. I feel pretty confident. That's in that Charleston, game in that game. another home game. Good basketball team, they should win. And then it gets tough. Illinois. In New York. This is this is the game that I like if you lose two games in if you lose two games in Kissimmee and you lose to Illinois, you're already at three losses before you get into conference play. Yeah. And before you take on a really good St. Bonaventure team in Springfield, Massachusetts on December sixteenth. I will say I think they split the Illinois St. Bonaventure Bonaventure sort of duo there. I think they're gonna win one, I think they're gonna lose one. Uh yep. And that should be fine. They should be able to afford a few losses. I think that there are going to be a few things that play in their hand. And I know people don't want to say that the story matters in the NCAA tournament. Guys, they pick teams based off stories sometimes. We don't need to pretend like they don't. Like, they're going to have the benefit of the doubt. They're going to have the enough. They should have enough good wins if the American looks good like it did last year uh, with all the new teams coming in and these non-conference schedules. But they can't afford to fall it off the wagon. It can't fall off the wagon quickly. Because if it I, falls I think, off the wagon quickly, you're talking about a team that has to win the tournament to make it to the NCAA tournament. I think that FAU, just this year specifically, they did – Sam, and we talk about this all the time. They did a, something that not a lot of high majors and just like teams with tournament aspirations and high major leagues like to do, which is they scheduled like – mid-majors that you don't want to like take a loss to because it could really hurt your resume but in FAU's case like they're not playing in a high major league so that could more they kind of so have to do it they kind of yeah. have to do it like yeah if and you go that's in a big risk and look here's what I say if FAU lost two more regular season games last year like they went to overtime with FIU and Louisiana Tech and they if they lost that, if they lost those games and they lost the Middle Tennessee game in a tournament, do they make the NCAA tournament? No, they're in an IT team, and that's and that's crazy because they'd be the same team. They'd still be just. But as frankly, good. but frankly, again, if we're being honest, that was all nonsense because every single time I sat here and I banged the table for them and I said, "Guys, this is a tournament team. We need to stop pretending like it's not a tournament team." But it's the same discussion that we have every year with these teams. It's like, well. You know, actually, we all want the SEC team that has six not quality lo- Shut up. I don't care. Shut up. I don't care. Like, FAU last place. year FAU last year should have been a tournament team going into the Conference USA tournament. And it was not guaranteed at that point. And everyone I spoke to who was involved with bracketology and everything said, well, they should make it, but we don't know. They could always just not make it if they don't win the tournament. And so, like, that's nonsense. But, like, it is very much true in the sense of, like, if they lost one or two more regular season games – and didn't win the conference tournament, 
We're talking about a team that's in the NIT right now. And that's ridiculous. But look, that, that's the world we live in. That's the margin for error. Now, I think FAU has a built-in margin for error this year because of how good they were last year. And I also think the Americans going to be so much better than the Conference USA was. So yeah. they're going to have the other built-in thing of like, hey, man, they're playing in a tougher conference. And But even without, even with losing Houston and Cincinnati, UCF's whatever, they weren't great anyway. Donnie even Dawkins. Even with losing Houston and Cincinnati, like you bring over all the best Conference USA programs. You bring an FAU, you and, bring in a Rice team that won a tournament game. And, and you still have some of the good, and obviously Memphis included in that. You still have also some Charlotte, good American Charlotte, Charlotte. We got we to gotta say Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. Like, I think USF is going to be a lot better because they finally have a competent head coach. I would agree. Like, so, like, everything sort of looks like this conference is going to be a better conference than it was a year ago. Uh, in, or well, compared to the Conference USA, in the sense of like, if we look at the Conference USA, the Conference USA was very top heavy in the sense of you had four teams that were really good. And then you also had FIU in that conference. And we can't forget FIU had to play basketball last year. Like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. Denver they, Jones was good. They had one good player. They were also a bad football team or basketball team. They're also a bad football team. But like, they're going to have added margin in the sense of like they were good last year. They made the final four last year. Everyone's going to be interested to see if they continue. They're going to have the built-in preseason ranking. They should probably be a top five team in the preseason polls. Like, which is ridiculous, by the way. And we'll get into that. Well, I, can we be honest? Preseason polls are ridiculous because yeah. Hey, what are, what are we judging? You guys who've made a top one hundred. Okay, but top one hundred is different because it's like okay, well, there's enough margin for error in the top one hundred. But like, what do we People do with the top? Don't seem to realize that there is. Like, like, what do we do with the top five? It's like, well, the FAU made the final four last year and they were uh, up 10 points in the final four game. And 14, right? I, I don't want to remember. I'm, I'm trying to forget that game happened. Can we please stop talking? No, I'm kidding. But I'm like, sorry. Like, so, and they lost on a very fluky shot, too. Like, it was not like they got outplayed. They should, I, I, I keep saying they should have called timeout, but they didn't. Well, it's one of those things of like, do you call I timeout? I turned to out? Isaac Bourne, uh, fellow mid major madness writer. Right before San Diego State got that, like before they came out of that timeout with like 16 seconds left, I was like, if they get a stop here, they're calling timeout and getting Tramiel and Bradley back in the game. But Dutch, to set after the game, they didn't have any sets left. Yeah. And by I, the way, I, I, yeah, you don't remember that? I don't. Re- I was not in the. And by the way, I think that has to do with why UConn just ran a riot on them. Yeah. Like, so here's the question that I have to ask. UConn knew that they didn't have any sets left. So, so here's the question I have to ask, and let's go hypothetical here. And I know this is a 2023 preview, but let's go hypothetical. If FAU beats San Diego State, how close is that national championship game? It's I about still, the same. I, I, th- I think UConn wins. I think it's under 10 points. I think it's slightly closer. I mean, it, was like under 10 for most, it, it was under 10 with like seven minutes left. It was, it's not like that whole game was a blowout. I think that there is a discussion last year that if they – so first of all, I felt that they would have had a chance to beat UConn, a very uh, off chance – I think that they well again. It's the discussion of like now, the, I might be biased here, but, but you no. are absolutely biased. But also like I, I don't. I do agree. Game UConn played. I, I do agree. Year. Like no. I think I think UConn's size would have been a huge problem for FAU, even though they're big. I think that like everything would have been dependent on how they beat Sonogo and Klingon, and I don't think they would have been able to beat both of them. Just just not enough strength. Yeah, and so I, like I remember I'll throw in my two cents good. here. Um, I'll throw in my two cents here. I think that there were times during that national championship game when San Diego State literally, no matter what they did, could not put the ball in the basket. That well, yeah, I think they were that an incredibly bad offense team. They were yeah, incredibly that, bad offensively. So that that doesn't happen to FAU. 
So yeah, the first there was like a ten minute stretch where they didn't score, and it was like the greatest ten minutes of my life. I I think that there is a discussion that like there are points next year or last year during a UConn FAU national championship where it's like a three point game, kind of early in the second half. Five minutes left in the real national championship game. I don't care. It was not a five point game. Anyone who says that was a five point game is nonsense. Scoreboard. I don't want. To, I don't care about the scoreboard. It was sixty to fifty-five. That, but like that, that seventy-six fifty-nine final score accurately reflected how the game was played. Yeah, come on, guys. It was not okay. a five-point game, even if the scoreboard said it was a five-point game. <laughs> but like, I think that there's a discussion last year of like, with five minutes left in the game, we're talking about a possibility of FAU winning the national championship. I don't think they win the national championship. Let's be clear. I don't want any UConn fan who's listening to this going, "Wow, this man thought that FAU would win the national championship." I don't think that. I think they would have kept it close, and I think it would have been competitive. So this is a very good FAU team, but also there's so many things that have to go right again for you to make the Final Four. All right, we have to talk about the actual players that make up this team. That's so We don't have that much time left, but we've kind of skirted around that. We we all think uh, Janelle Davis can be an NBA player, correct? Yes, absolutely. No doubt in my mind. Talk about about Janelle, Kevin. You've seen Uh, a lot more of him than we have. One of those players who I feel like are so complete in everything they do. They can play make. They're good off the ball. They're good on the ball. And when FAU needed big-time performances last year, he was who they called on. We look at UAB in the regular season. We look at Memphis or uh, FDU where he had the insane stat line of like, hey, man, how is he doing this in in an NCAA tournament game? So, like, when they needed performances, he was the guy who stepped up. There were also times last year where he was neutralized. And I don't know if that was a, a microcosm of you know, him still learning how to play in this role because he was not a big-time player previous to last year. He was sort of a good bench role rotation player. This year should be better in terms of learning how to play in that role and being really good and being proactive in terms of, like, taking your shots when they're there. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of talk about how, oh, which Memphis player is going to win American Player of the Year, right? We should I'm talk sure about John L. Davis a little bit more there. I'm just going to be honest, guys. I'm sure you've seen that, right? Yeah, I, I wish I, I think did that. Janelle Davis has a chance. He should have a chance, yes. And, like, I really think Janelle Davis, in terms of a shot creator with that type of athleticism at that size, it's unique in college basketball. He's, what, 6'6"? Six, 6'6", six? Six, six, yeah. I mean, he He's can play six, make. Six. He handles, he shoots, he does everything. Yeah, He's I mean, incredibly so complete basketball player. And Elijah Martin's really good, too. Let's not discount was- it. These are two first-team All-American conference players. Not All-American, All-American conference. All, all comp, yeah. I, I mean, I will be honest. I, mean, I think I, I think I think Nelly has All-American potential. Very totally off chance agree. of it, but like if, you told if me he Janelle has Davis another good year, second-team All-American at the end of the I'd be year, like, yeah, that's right. not surprising. He uh, averaged eighteen and seven. Like that doesn't shock yeah. me. In the sense of Elijah Martin, first of all, I'm kind of shocked he didn't pursue the transfer portal. I thought that he was very much a transfer portal candidate. Little bit more than Nelly because he needs he probably needs a year of like really good performances, uh, because he's six foot two or six foot one, and that's gonna hit limit him. But also, he is athletic as hell and he's great defensively. And there were times last year where Dusty May would tell me, guys, he's or hey, Kevin, man, he's our best defender. And when we need a defensive stop, he's the one we're going to. And so, like, he's a I very Kevin part, yeah. I mean. We're boys. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, there is this real discussion of like, what is he in terms of being a good college player? He, I don't think he's a number one. I think he's a really good number two, and that's good for FAU. They don't need him to be a number one. Yeah, I don't think he's an. I don't think he's an American Commerce player of the year type guy. But he's a first team All American Commerce. Yeah, guy. 
pretty pretty Vlad Golden was analytics darling all year. Number yeah, one in like the beep in like the Evan Mia stat BPR Bayesian performance rating. Yeah. By the way, once you get to a stat it's called Bayesian performance rating, you might be too deep in the rabbit hole of whatever sport it is that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that like Vlad is a very good basketball player who didn't know what to do last year. Like it felt like at times he was just sort of lost. And at times. Yeah, I mean, there were times where he was, like was way more than just at times. Yeah, I mean, it was probably more so he was lost at times than like being really knowing what to do with his size. And when you have a guy at that size, he's got to play at that size. There were moments where you saw him play at that size and you went, man, he's going to be really damn good. And again, then you remember he's only what a sophomore, he's only a junior, still has like two or three years left of eligibility. Like, there are so three years left. What, oh, steps, do you, oh, what steps do you think Vlad's going to take? to improve, improve his game this year, to maybe not look as lost sometimes? Uh, the biggest thing is he has to be stronger. Uh, San Diego State sort of bullied him. Uh, you know what I think he's going to do? I what? think he's going to be a better passer. If he's a better passer, that team's dangerous. Because if there is a situation where you can play him in that sort of free-throw line elbow situation and just let dudes cut, Elijah Martin, as one of the more athletic players in the country, that's a scary thought. Yeah, I think that that's the situation where Elijah Martin is an all-American type player. Yeah, if, if there Vlad is Golden. if Vlad Golden Vlad could just Golden, the elbow. And I, I think Vlad Golden, I saw some I saw some signs. There was one play in the tournament where I was at you were at the game. We were both at the game. I was at the game, you're right. In New York. You were at all the tournament games. No, I was not at the FDU one. That's the one I could not go to. Why not? Uh I had to fly home. <laughs> okay. I do remember after the um, the Kansas State game, we were in that um, we were in that media room at MSG, and I was telling you, find a way to get to Houston. Find a way to get to Houston. Yeah, well, and so and like found a way to get to Houston. So I'm gonna be honest. Uh, every single tournament, and this was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, I would book non-refundable tickets. So I booked a non-refundable ticket for the Memphis game, and it was like, well, the game ended. I'm not gonna spend 500 bucks to switch that ticket. Uh, and then you would think that Kevin would learn from that mistake and not book a refundable, a non-refundable ticket. Kevin booked a non-refundable ticket to New York as well. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Flights from New York to Miami are diamond dozen. Well, it is, but it's also a lot of money to switch a flight if it's non-refundable and it's the day Good before point. the flight. I mean, my mom and dad take flights to like flights from New York to Miami, like so. Every month to look at a new condo. Yeah, I don't know if uh, you, I don't think you were in the media room when this was happening, but I was calling Delta in the media room trying to get my flight switched. I was not there, but that was funny. I uh, do remember when I went up to you and I was like, hey, I know you from broadcasting. That was weird. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> well, yeah, I won't have to do it again because I now know you from Twitter. But also, like, so uh, Vlad Golden's really good. He can be really good. If he learns how to be a more of a center, that team is really good. Because they would now have a starting center who is worth a dime. And yeah, all right. And we've talked about a lot of these guys. Brandon Witherspoon, I think, could be a really good player. Brandon Witherspoon is the great like glue guy who keeps the team together. And when you need a stretch of two minutes where someone's gonna have to score points for you, he can get you two or three threes and you can feel a lot more comfortable about where you are because of And that. that's exactly what FAU did. Every single player on his team, you know what? He can get you two or three threes in a two minute stretch. If it's Nelly, if it's Elijah. Heck, I mean you could say Nick Boyd, Brian Greenlee, even Gaffney. Gaffney can shoot a little Gaffney, bit. Gaffney deserves more credit. I'm going to say this now. Gaffney deserves more credit for how well he played last year at times. Gaffney, Every... like, there was a moment when, because I watched Jalen Gaffney for th- two year, three years at UConn. Yes. 
probably yeah, three years because he came in the same class as Book Knight. First year didn't play much. Second year was meh. Third year was pretty bad. But there was a moment in the Villanova game. His third year, the one at the XL Center, the one that everyone remembers, the one that ended with the RJ Cole shot, the one that saved my life. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Jonathan remembers the game. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it. I very briefly remember it. I was not a huge UConn. There were there were a couple. Mi- it was in the middle of that game where Gaff made some plays and kept the game alive when RJ went out with foul trouble. Yeah, Gaffney played Gaffney played five minutes that game. Five minutes. But he made a three and had a and kept the ball in on a play that would have been a 10 second violation, I think. And that was essentially what won UConn that game. I think that those minutes where RJ didn't play, those five minutes where they stood pat kept the game at the same level that won UConn the game and brought UConn back as a program. So Jalen Gaffney is a player that will forever live on in my heart for that. And I think deserves a lot more credit for the fact that, you know what? He's a final four basketball player. He might not have been able to cut it at UConn, but he's a final four basketball player. So, so I will say this, uh, that sort of sounds like how FAU used him last year. He was not a starter. He was very much the third or fourth guard off the team. But when they needed a guy who was going to come in there and just defend his behind off for five minutes and you were going to get good basketball from him, you were going to get good basketball from him for five minutes. Hopefully he can do that a little bit more consistently because there's no longer Mike Forrest to give him those or to take those minutes away from him. He's going to have to be better. And if he's better, man, we're looking at a team that's deeper than they may have been last year because Jalen Gaffney has all the talent in the world. He just has to find a way to put it all together. Yeah, and I think Dusty May is one of the best coaches in the country. I think we both have him in the top 20, right? I have him in the top 10, but... Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think that's a little bit of a stretch have, right No, now. I don't care. I'd have to double I, I get it, I get it, I get it. I mean, we both have... We, we both like our coaches a lot more than some other people do. I mean, I was a Dan Hurley fan from day you one. You probably have Matt Painter in the top 10. He can't even beat up that. I don't have Matt Painter. I actually... I'm actually very low on Matt Painter. And whatever. I mean, Matt, Matt I moved Painter him is up incrementally throughout the offseason, though. I had him at like 40 at one point. That was dumb. But he's, he's close to like 20. So you're going to realize, Sam, like, I just sort of like coaches that can build programs. And like, I like the quote unquote certified program builders of guys who like Kelvin if, Sampson. It, it, yeah. If you give him four years, if you give him the patience of four years, he's going to get you to the tournament. Dan Hurley. You probably think Dan Hurley's the best yeah. coach in the country. No, Dan Hurley's one of those guys who, if you give him four years in a program, it may be ugly for two of those years, and it's going to be really bad. And you're going to wonder why you kept him there. And then he's going to make the tournament, and you're going to go, I never okay. wondered. I never wondered. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't wonder because you know ball. But so many casual fans are going to sit here and go, man, we're losing these games that we should be. There were, there were a on. lot of haters. I'll yes. Say that. And I remember talking, thinking, man, why is this guy on the hot seat? Every year they've gotten better. They're recruiting their, they're recruiting that area really good. Exactly. They, exactly. And that's the thing with Dusty May. Every year, that, every year FAU got better. And yeah, I think every year FAU got better, and every and year it felt May, like this. They just signed him to a ten-year contract extension. I think uh, my prediction right now. We can book this on this uh, this recording, and you can sit here and ask me again about it in five years. I think he's still the coach in five years. I agree. I don't I think agree. there is a reason for him to leave. Look, I think, I think I think the only job, the only job he leaves FAU for is, is Indiana. Indiana, and I don't think Mike Woodson's getting fired. I don't yeah, think. So. I don't think Mike Woodson's good. But I don't, I don't think, think he's very good either, but, but I think he's done enough. Himself time. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, he's his this, these tournament appearances. They're giving him another year, and he's an NBA coach too. So he's like that. He Indiana fans really just good. also like remember like what they were. Yeah, with, Indiana like, fans just want to be Bob Knight 2.0. Every Indiana fan just wants Bob Knight 2.0. Right. But also, Every like Indiana fan wants Bobby Knight 2.0, and there's there's no such there's no such thing as Bobby Knight 2.0. There isn't. There never will be a such thing as Bobby Knight 2.0. Guys, can we stop pretending like there is? Can and we... Indiana fans need to realize that look, Mike Woodson blows. <laughs> oh come okay. on, he's not okay. that bad. He doesn't blow, but he's a little bit overhyped. No, like he's just he's just a good college basketball coach. He's not a great yeah, college he's basketball. He's a coach. mediocre coach. He's an average Big Ten coach. But I will say Sam, this. that's something that you and I we're getting a little off track here, but that's something you and I talk about. Like we I put out my top 50 coaches list every every summer. There's more than 50 good coaches in the country. Yeah, guys, people, college basketball coaching is kind of at like an all-time high, it feels like in terms of like good yeah, coaches. Every single year I look at this list and I say, you know what? It feels like there's a lot of really good coaches here. There's a lot and of so, breakout guys. And hey, Tad Boyle, who was a top 30 coach last year, hey, he's not in my top 50 anymore. But you know what? I still think he's a really underrated coach. That does not mean a bad coach. Is gonna stink this here like so like here's the thing is like if dusty may did not leave after making the final four and decided yeah you know what i'll sign a 10-year extension with you you don't sign a 10-year extension leaving in a year that does not happen you stay at least another year another two years and he's staying for the next all all evidence has pointed towards uh in the conversation that we've had during media availability and stuff is like i don't have a reason to leave i don't have a reason to leave I love it here. I live in Boca Raton for the entire year, and I get to coach college basketball at a high at a school that's on the rise. Living Why would in Boca I leave? Raton for the entire year is kind of psycho behavior, but I I, I respect well, it. I don't know, man. It's if you've got money, Boca Raton's a great place. Living in, the living there in the year. summer is kind of psycho behavior. <laughs> oh yeah, I would never do such a thing. Hey, I had a dream <laughs> about Publix last night. <laughs> uh, I will also say that uh, as someone who. Uh, knows people who cover and coach high school basketball down here. The one guy who I will say keep an eye on is Brennan Lorient because Brennan Lorient pops. And if we are talking about a dude who can be a really good, big, big sort of point, big uh, point forward kind of dude, he pops. And he, with the, when the, when the ball's in his hands, get out of the, get out of his way because he's going to jump over you. All so right, we've got a couple Florida questions for you before we're done. Oh God. All right. When you go to Publix, how often do you go to Publix? Uh, probably once or twice a week. Yep, that sounds like it's a little bit less than the average Floridian. Okay, I mean, if I'm going, is it just grocery shopping? If it's grocery shopping, I'll go. No, you can, you can, you can. Get what what pub sub do you get? Uh, yes. Depends. If I'm in the mood, it's a chicken tender sand, uh, sub tossed in either buffalo or honey mustard, depending mm-hmm. on how I'm feeling. Uh, and then if I don't want a chicken tender sub, because those can get really heavy and I don't want to eat that every day. Uh, I just get an Italian because their lunch it's Boar's Head lunch meat. Boar's Head lunch meat's elite. So my, I, it's my, totally friend, just Italian. my friend from Boca loves the chicken tender one. The chicken tender one's the best, but it's also like it's like fourteen hundred calories, and you <laughs> feel like utter. You, you feel like I don't know if yeah, I can curse on that here. every day for lunch. It, yeah, I, I I feel like I gained three pounds just listening. To yeah, that. so you you take you take like I a don't few burn fourteen hundred calories in a week. You'll, you'll take a few bites and you'll go, hmm, this is really good. Then after you get through like half of it, you're like, man, I already bought the other half. It's not going to sit well in the fridge. I kind of got to finish it. <laughs> so it's not great in terms of like eating. I don't know day. if like, I'm going to burn 1,400 calories in the next month. For this <laughs> little bro. No. Uh, 
don't say that out loud. <laughs> but like don't. also, also um, the other thing is like, uh, I really like the jerk, jerk, jerk turkey and Gouda sub. If you want a little spice and a little kick, that sub's amazing. I just don't get it enough. I should start getting it more often. Okay. All right. Here's the question for you. Did you know that Florida has the second most Wawa's of any state? Yes, I did. Do you know what state is ahead of them? New Jersey or Philadelphia. Probably one of those. Did uh, I did I say that to you? No, I just know it's one of New Jersey or Philadelphia. That's impressive. Uh, I also know that Wait, did I you thought say Philadelphia is a state. Or <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I didn't want to correct you. <laughs> you guys should have just let me go. You guys should have just seen how long I keep saying Pennsylvania or Philadelphia. Look, look, look. Philadelphia is a great city. My brother's there right now. He goes to school at University of Pennsylvania. It is not a state. It is not a state. I can confirm as someone who's been to both Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, neither of them are states. Now, they both think they're states. <laughs> they all want to pretend like they the are. The Pittsburgh mentality, man. Yin's got to know Pittsburgh's a state. Or the Philly mentality where it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yo, Adrian! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> That's awful. Don't ever do that again. I know. I'm so bad at a, at a Rocky voice. Please never do that again. Great movie, though. Great movie. One of the probably the greatest sports movie series of all time. Uh, it's up there. I, I would. We got. We got to. We got to end this. Oh, do we really so have? Leave to? me with five. Leave me with three thoughts about FAU basketball. What could uh, make their season go wrong? What you expect, and what could make their season go right? I'll start with what I expect. I expect them to be a tournament team. I expect them to be back in the Sweet Sixteen. From there, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, what what has to go right? Uh, pretty much everything again. Like It feels like that may just be a thing. I will say, I've said it before, I think Dusty May is one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think he's one of the best one-day game planners in college basketball. Uh, so like, bet on him as much as you can because that guy's going to make sure that he wins. And he is so committed to it. And that team, from being around that team for three or four years, you keep seeing the shift in culture and sort of the program building itself as one of the best. Uh, what ha- what can go wrong? Well, guys, if they get a few injuries, that's still not the best team in the American or second best team in the American. And last year they survived injury luck for most of the year, bar like a very brief absence for Mike Forrest at the beginning of the year. Uh, and if that happens and they miss a few guys, like let's say Elijah Martin misses a few weeks this season, they may not be a tournament team because they just may not be able to survive that more than like a week or two stretch without him. Uh, the other thing that goes wrong is they just don't find a way to replace the leader that Mike Forrest was. And I think that they're going to do that, but I think there is still a situation and I don't like, like you guys are going to quickly learn. I don't evaluate college basketball as like just a, well, this guy's really good at basketball. They're going to be fine. Like you still need a dude who's just there. Who's a vet who knows what it's like, who knows what the program is. They have a few guys like that now because that whole team has stayed together for a few years, but they still need to find a guy who's your Mike Forrest replacement. Uh, I think it's probably one of Nelly, Elijah Martin, or uh, Nick Boyd. Nick Boyd is very much the vocal leader of that team. Yeah, I, um, and I, I think Greenlee's a, not like that type of guy, but Greenlee's a, good, a very unheard sort of dude. He's just like, gonna, I like Greenlee. Like Greenlee, was, I love Greenlee. Did you? Did, I'm not sure if you caught this, but you probably did. Greenlee was sitting in on the press conference. Yeah, he did. That that was funny. I, I found that funny. I, I spoke to Greenlee. I think it was after the Sweet 16 game when they beat Tennessee. And there was a stat that got pulled up of like, hey, man, only a 1% of brackets picked them or whatever. And Gradley told me, he was like, I don't give a shit, dude. We're here. What, what, what are you going to do? Tell me like we're not here? Like, I don't care. 
he's, right, he's awesome. That was awesome. We got nine o'clock. Tommy Cavanaugh coming on for some St. John's talk Can tomorrow I at come on eleven a.m. Kyle Tucker will be joining us to talk Kentucky. So yeah, we go from Kevin Fielder to Kyle Tucker. Um, <laughs> wow, how, how how do you guys upgrade so quickly? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure why he responded to my message. <laughs> Um, at three, at one o'clock, Maddie Hartley's joining us. We're going to talk KU, and at three, Carter Elliott's going to join us, and we're going to talk Michigan State. Wow! So you're talking about three programs worse than FAU. Congratulations. <laughs> three programs that will, without a doubt, be interesting. They 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 will be college basketball teams next year. I can guarantee that. <laughs> well, we think that they will. We're not hundred percent sure of that. We're After that, sure, we're not. I can't sure guarantee anything. Has, we're not sure that John Calipari has enough real people. After that, we, I can't tell you what discuss, they're going to be. We will discuss whether Zvonimir Ivasic is a real human being. <laughs> if if you could get the answer, I would love to hear the answer because I'm not sure what your take. I just uh, I think I'm going to step out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go. We'll see you in about 40 minutes.